we had dozens of quality fights in the world of kickboxing this weekend. From Rise and K1, there were so many fights to pick from and enjoy, and each one was absolutely incredible. Folks, this is Kick Weekly with Tim Wheaton, the kickboxing podcast. I appreciate you being here and your time. Sorry for coming out so late. I've been uh, sick for a little while here. Uh, I did, covered the PFL in Dublin and then got back and got uh, even more sick than I was last week. So, folks, I appreciate your patience and time. Going to run down the Rise 174 main event. We're going to cover a bunch of fights on the K1 Rebirth 2 fight card, and then we're going to do a preview for the Rise final round upcoming this weekend. And I'm really excited for that one. That's going to be a really great fight. Let's start with the Rise 174 main event, where Koki Osaki was able to defeat Masahiko Suzuki for the championship title. This was a five-round championship fight, and up and down, it was a ton of fun. Two gentlemen who are flurrying back and forth. Masahiko Suzuki has been in a bunch of fights this year, and I'm, I'm starting to wonder, or he was in a bunch of fights last year and this year, whether he wins or loses, he is always in wars, and I'm beginning to wonder if it's starting to wear on him, but in this fight, he just simply continued to go forward. No matter what Koki Osaki hit him with, he just kept coming forward. Koki Osaki landed a ton of flurries. Masahiko Suzuki landed a ton of flurries. The timing of Koki Osaki is extremely impressive. He, he lands punches in between the guard when, or when his opponent is throwing in combinations. Round one, he threw a knee to counter the jab and it was really impressive. Early in round two, Suzuki mixed high and low and found success with those punches. Osaki countered with clinched knees. He landed a huge overhand over the jab in this round and that was very impressive. Really close round two. Most judges scored it even after two rounds. In round three, Osaki seemed to find more success with flurries in the open or against the ropes. The thing is that Suzuki always reacts with volume and it makes for a really exciting fight. So no matter what you hit him with, he's going to return with a ton of strikes and it makes for a very exciting fight. And it's also very hard to judge because if one person lands one very hard strike on Suzuki, he's going to throw five back at them and it makes it hard to judge. But ultimately, Osaki landed very well in this round. He reversed and pivoted against the rope and landed a brilliant combination which really was the biggest moment of this fight. Going into round four, Osaki found success with inside hooks during combination, so they were landing when Masahiko Suzuki was throwing. I'm so impressed with his timing. He also landed a flying knee, but got hit with a combination on the way out, just as you would expect. Again, he pivoted and reversed against the rope and landed a flurry. This is just an incredible war. Round five, Koki Osaki again found the mark with inside hooks, but Suzuki was non-stop in this round. He was relentless with aggression here. Koki timed his punches perfectly to counter, but Suzuki was just non-stop. He threw a ton from every angle, and it just, just absolutely relentless action. Ultimately, the judge's decision after five rounds went to Koki Osaki. His brother, Kazuki Osaki, looked very happy uh, standing next to him as he got awarded the title, and it was a great moment. Really, really good fight. Once it goes live on YouTube, make sure to check it out. It was a ton of fun to watch. It was a, it was a back-and-forth war. Now let's step over to K1 Rebirth 2. What I'm going to do is start from the main event and work down. But let's start with the main event with Hiromi Wajima. Look to defend his title against Ouyang Fang. Ouyang Fang was the champion coming from China. Ouyang had a really cool walkout with some Chinese hip-hop. He looked like a mystic with his robe and his hat. He looked like Raiden. This was a Southpaw versus Orthodox matchup, and the two traded kicks and punches. Pu- 
The two traded kick for kick and punch for punch. It was a very close match. One punch for one punch, one kick for one kick. It was just back and forth countering. It always seemed like an equal trade early in round one. But by the end of round one, Fang seemed to have figured out some perfect timing on the counters. He was landing some really great shots. In round two, Hiromi Wajima was landing well, finding hooks and kicks to the head. He nearly had Fang out. Fang flurried back to survive, and both of them were eating shots. Both threw the same hook, and Fang's landed first to score a knockdown, then he finished him off with some more punches. It was an incredible win from Fang. Beating Wajima at this point in his career means quite a bit. This was a really great performance here. Really an enjoyable fight. I like this one quite a bit. Shintaro Matsukura versus Hasan Toy. This was the rematch from the Grand Prix earlier this year. Hasan Toy scored a first round knockout when they initially met, and now they are rematching. Uh, this time around, it needed to go to a draw round and ended in a ton of controversy. I talked to Hasan Toy after the fight, and he said that this was a robbery, and he was extremely disappointed with the result. So let's break down the round. So Toy nearly won the fight by lead hook once again. In the first minute, that lead hook was finding a home over and over again. Early in the fight, Hassan was landing a huge variance of strikes, landing with head kicks and punches and everything like that. Shintaro had one good flurry in round one, but I, I think it was still scored for Toy. He landed far more and landed better. Hassan was landing more in round two until an outside hook really caught him. Shintaro was laughing for a ton of this round, but Hassan seemed to land more even though Shintaro... Uh, could land some hooks here and there, especially hurt him to the body. The body punch and some of the hooks earlier in round two, it could be a toss-up, uh, depending on what the judges are looking at. So round two was quite close. Round three, Hassan had huge success early, landing hooks and various strikes, including some hard kicks. Some hooks and flurries near the end of the round may have sealed it for Shintaro, though. Uh, judges tend to have a bias, more heavily weighted, to, to judge things that happen towards the end of the round a little bit more heavily, and that's probably what made the difference here. Because I think early Hassan was doing well, later Shintaro was doing well, so in the judges' eyes, a few of them scored for Shintaro. But ultimately, this was scored a draw, and we went to one more round. Shintaro seemed to be landing early where Hassan was struggling to find openings. He landed. A, Hassan did land a sweet front kick to the face, though, and then he opened up in the last minute and landed some shots there. Uh, I mean, and then in the end, Shintaro got his hand raised, became the new champion, avenged a prior loss that he had. Uh, Takuru and Masatu were both there, and they looked happy. But yeah, whether you think it was a robbery, a disappointment, whatever it was, I think it was a very close fight. I mean, Hassan Toy is a, is a friend of mine, so I'm never going to speak against him. That's that's the benefit uh, of, of working working alongside with me or doing interviews with me. I'm never going to talk against you. Uh, so therefore, I had Hassan Toy clearly winning this fight. I thought he won rounds one and three quite clearly. Uh, two was a toss-up, and I'm willing to admit that. Four was a tougher round, but I think I would have judged it not a draw going in. Rami Para from France versus Leona Patas. This was a Waco champion versus a K1 champion, and it was a great fight. It was a mess. Rami looked to brawl on the inside, while Leona looks to brawl from distance. Rami was having success with outside body kicks, so Leona was able to counter with a cut kick to the leg. It became a very well-matched fight, where one person was throwing one thing and countered it, the other person saw the counter and figured it out. It was a cool back-and-forth fight. Rami was throwing combinations from the inside, while Leona pivots out and looks to land from distance. Rami switched to throw leg kicks and combinations. Eventually, the accuracy and timing of Rami became the deciding factor, but also the volume. He never let up or stopped throwing. Leona still found some moments here and there, 
but it ended up being a pretty wild matchup. I think the nonstop aggression and conditioning from Remy really won him the fight. I'm fine with the judge's decision here. It looks like Remy uh, got a majority decision, so one judge scored it a draw. I think Remy overall deserved to win. But I think my real takeaway is that it looks like fighting Remy would be a nightmare. Just a, an absolutely miserable affair. The guy never stops. Doesn't matter what you hit him with. He's looking to put you in the corner and land in combination. If you are blocking your head, he's going to throw combinations at your legs. If you are checking kicks, he's going to throw combinations at your head. The guy is nonstop. Next, you have Akihiro Kaneko versus Lan Shantang. Lan Shantang was the young champion from China coming over. Akihiro Kaneko is one of the best fighters in K1 pound for pound today, and he is a very jab-based fighter, and we saw that a lot here. He really controlled with the jab and built off the jab. Lan Shantang was struggling to find any openings because he was just getting hit by the jabs. Akiro Kaneko was throwing combinations all around the jab. So jab overhand, jab feint into body hooks. Uh, he's just such a systematic fighter. Second round was a little bit closer, though. Lan Shantang had good work with leg kicks, but still struggled really against the jab. Uh, Akihiro landed some great shots in round three. Overall, a great performance for him. Lucy versus Seiya Tanagawa. I mean, I said this is going to be a blowout, and it was. Lucy looked massive in there. He was so much bigger than I expected him to be. It was a brutal knockout that left Tanagawa slumped in the ropes. No notes for this one. I mean, it was a, it was a pretty quick knockout, and it was exactly what we expected. Looking to see a little bit more from Lucy in the future because he's such an exciting, young, heavyweight prospect. Toma Kuroda versus Issei Ishii. This was a rematch from, I think, last year with the finals of the Grand Prix in which they had to go to a draw round. Originally, Issei Ishii lost, and now he's coming for revenge. And Toma Kuroda is the champion currently. It was a good fight where both men were so sharp. Ishii was pressuring early, throwing knees, landing punches. Both traded and landed really well in round one and round two. A few rocket crosses probably sealed round two for him, for Toma Kuroda, I mean. Plus, a nice lethway headbutt to really seal things, you know, that really throws people off. Uh, he got a flurry here and there. It was a really fun fight. Bell to bell, this was a war. Uh, and honestly, if you felt that Issei Ishii deserved to win, I, I wouldn't complain too much. That's a fine decision. If just one or two things went differently, it's perfectly fine. It was probably the best fight on the card. I really enjoyed this one. Antonia from Greece defeated Kana Silverwolf in what was a major upset. But look, we knew Kana was going to lose when she used Katy Perry as her walkout music. We knew. That's not the music for winners. Antonia always went first and countered everything. So if Kana threw one thing, she would counter with three back. Or more often than not, Antonia was simply throwing first. She never gave Kana space to work. As soon as Kana would begin to throw combinations, Antonia would shut it down with what she wanted to do. She had constant forward pressure. Kana was getting hit with hooks each time she went to throw in combinations. Antonia landed in combination while Kana was usually swinging at air back. It was a really good and impressive performance from Antonia. And it wasn't the kind of upset where you get the feeling in the future these two will rematch and then you get a different result. I think Antonia is simply the better fighter based on what we saw in this fight. Miyu Sagawara defeated Lucille Deadman from Australia. Lucille Deadman, I think, was a Muay Thai champion, national champion from Australia. Miyu was the champion in Crush and K1, and almost everything she does is off of the lead leg. She really likes the lead leg, kind of push kick or teep kick. Lucille was well prepared. She found tight punching in combinations and powerful kicks to counter. She, she was doing well, but Miyu is good at finding openings, especially for her straight kick. She can often throw punches and the straight kick right through her opponent's guard, and that's what we saw here. She landed flurries and head kicks in round two, landed a few good shots in round three. With, she had a ton of flicky kicks and combinations, like kind of round kicks to the body, round kicks to the head, and then would have straight kicks. So she kind of combos her 
kicks together, and that really won her the fight. She definitely won rounds two and three. The right person won here, but Lucille did very well in round one, and it was a fun fight. Shota Yamaguchi defeated Ryunsuke Hoshi via TKO. This was an insane fight. It was a heavy-handed brawl. Even had a front foot rolling kick in it. Just a constant stream of punches back and forth with these two gentlemen. The occasional kick or knee here and there. It was like two people playing a video game and just mashing the same buttons over and over again. Ryunsuke was landing more and doing well in both rounds one and two. Shota would score a knockdown in the first round and another knockdown in the second, despite really getting beat up for most of the fight. Uh, and then he got another knockdown in round three to really seal it. But yeah, Ryunsuke was definitely winning the fight, but Shota would just find the counter here and there, land on the inside, and got a fun knockout. This was a really fun little fight. Not one to learn kickboxing from. Like, I wouldn't say learn your techniques from this fight, but it was fun to watch. Riki Matsuoka managed to defeat Jom Tong via decision, and this was a big surprise because I have so much respect for Jom Tong. Jom Tong really was way ahead and winning, bullying his opponent, showing clear power advantage. Really, Riki was able to change the look of the fight by forcing a brawl. He took his very technical opponent out of his stance, so his technical opponent could not be technical and forced a brawl out of him. From there, he scored a knockdown. It was a pretty un pretty brutal, untechnical brawl. Kind of an ugly fight, but Riki did what he needed to do to, to get the decision. Tetsuya Oya was able to defeat Yuto Shinohara via knockout using his right cross. Tetsuya Oya was there with his rampage chain during the walkout. It's always good to see. It was a good back and forth until the knockout, trading hard punches and leg kicks. Oya packed some power and speed. And Takuro was there in his corner, and he looked happy, so therefore I'm happy. Shoki Kaneda defeated Dasoyam with a TKO in round one. Dasoyam was looking to kick. He was getting caught with punches when he entered punching range. Really didn't show any head movement here. And no blocks, no parries. I got hit with like a hundred punch combination to, to put him out. Riku was able to defend Ebiral Girmi. Riku nearly finished him in the first round with a bunch of heavy shots and flurries. Scored multiple standing eight counts. Just two gentlemen throwing heavy punches back and forth, and Riku was able to find the mark more often than not. Ebiral doesn't do much to defend himself, but he keeps going forward and had some success in round three. Overall, Riku did get the decision win and was the better fighter. Tsubasa was able to defeat Toya Matsuba. Tsubasa looked really good in this fight, controlled from distance and up close. Powerful shot selection. He scored a knockdown in the first as well. Some trips and throws here and there, but yeah, Tsubasa landed more and looked clearly better. Kengo Murata defeated Kato Hori. This was like a telephone booth brawl. This was a this was an inside brawl. Kengo mixed in a front flip just to keep it a little bit spicy. It was just two guys standing an inch apart, throwing hooks at each other. I'm surprised that Hori didn't try to change the game plan as the fight went on, but yeah, this one was a banger. Kengo gets the decision win in this one. Haruto Matsumoto defeated Kaishi. It wasn't a particularly close fight. Matsumoto used a long bladed stance, used a long jab, lots of power from the rear side, really bullied his opponent every second of this fight. Rain punches and kicks, defeated Kaishi quite fairly. Got a nice round one TKO. To kick off K1 Rebirth 2, you had Sota Amano defeat Toki Harada. This was a round two left hook. It was a fun back and forth, throwing some heavy leather at each other, but it was a brutal left hook. No second knockdown was needed. Congratulations to Sota Amano. So that's a review for K1 Rebirth 2 and Rise 174. Best fight of this weekend was by far Koki Osaki versus Mazaiko Suzuki. Such a banger of a fight. Just a brutal, brutal fight back and forth here. Really also enjoyed from K1 Remy Para and Leona Patas. Just a really exciting back and forth fight here. Tomokuroda versus Issei Ishii. 
just a fight that you absolutely need to watch once it goes live. All right, let's take a look at what's happening this weekend with the Rise World Series 2023 final round. It has been an amazing tournament so far with Toki Tomorrow and Kumandoi in the final. So Toki Tomorrow had defeated Petzilla and Kazuki Osaki to get to the finals. He defeated Petzilla via knee to the body, and it was a, kind of a big surprise there. Kazuki Osaki, he defeated via a very close majority decision. And the Kazuki Osaki one was a major surprise because Kazuki Osaki is so highly ranked on the pound-for-pound pound list and such a highly skilled fighter. But in that fight, you could see Toki Tomaru's real skills, that he's a really tight inside boxer. But what he does very well is able to adjust his game plan throughout the fight. So for example, in round one, what he was doing really wasn't working, and he had to adjust just what he was doing to counter Kazuki Osaki, and, and then he was able to win rounds two and three based on that, based on the changes that he was doing, and that's really impressive skill for a fighter to have. So Toki Tomaru already has a championship in Rise coming into the finals here, and he's going to be fighting a Muay Thai Raja Damnern Stadium champion who is transitioning to kickboxing. Gumidoi has just had an incredible record and incredible win streak in between Muay Thai and kickboxing, and he's such a highly, highly skilled fighter. His main specialty is the switch kick, which he can pivot off of and he can throw from pretty much anywhere and he'll use the switch kick pretty much to counter anything that you do whether it's a, a straight or a jab or a hook or a kick he's th probably throwing the switch kick at you and he sets everything up off of it for him it's like the jab so he'll throw the switch kick just to get your guard up and then he'll throw a punching combination off of it when your guard is up he'll throw a switch kick to the head and then to the body when you're blocking in the wrong spot or the other way around he's a highly highly skilled fighter and it's also a, a powerful enough switch kick that you can see that he's would knock people out by using it. To get to the finals, he defeated Mohamed Kloa and then Shiro, and Shiro was a really impressive win. So Toki Tomorrow and Kumadoi meeting in the finals. It's just been an awesome tournament so far, uh, but we've been a little bit hesitant to come up with what our favorite fight of the year so far is because we're saving it for this one. I think it's going to be a nice tight war with two fighters who have differing styles, and I'm expecting something really exciting coming out of it. Also featured on the card is Pechpan Mamrung is going to be defending his Rise title. He is also the champion in glory, but he's defending his Rise title here against Chad Collins from Australia. You have Kento Hiraguchi fighting Abraham Vidali. Oh yeah, this is like a, a Rise versus Glory card, by the way. I forgot to mention that. You have Taiju Shitori versus Zakaria Zuguri. thing is that a lot of these Glory fighters don't haven't fought a ton in glory, or some of them have fought a lot in glory, and some of them have fought very little in glory, or some of them haven't fought in glory at all. Uh, so it's really more of a Japan versus the world, right? Japan versus Thailand is a really common one. Japan versus Morocco. Japan versus the Netherlands is, is a bit more common. The Rise and Shoe Boxing champion Kaito Ono was originally scheduled for a fight to fight Muhammad Jiraiya. But as predicted, and the reason I like talking about this fight is, of course, it fell through. Muhammad Jiraiya, uh, there was no official word as to why. All that Rai said was that he could not fight due to various reasons. But look, it's because he's like in court right now. He's under investigation. So he's going to fight James Condi of France instead. Khan Nakamura is going to be fighting Ahmed Akudad. That's a good fight, actually. That's a good one. Kenta Nanbara is going to be fighting Victor De Koning. Another good one. That's another good fight. I really like this card overall. But of course, I have to talk about Tessa Dakam is going up in weight to fight Sena. This is a Rise champion versus a Rise champion. Uh, it's a non-title bout, but Tessa Dakam will be going up. Yeah, I'm expecting a really fun fight. I really enjoy this one. Tessa is taking this one very seriously. She said that she was still studying while 
training for this fight. So all of her championship bouts, she's been distracted by university studies the entire time and usually has finals right before she has to fly out. She Tessa has never really trained full-time kickboxing because she's also a full-time student at the same time. How she manages to do that is beyond me. Like, I, I dropped out of school before going back. I eventually got a degree in something, but... Uh, yeah, working full-time and going to school full-time, that's a hard thing to do. And yeah, fighting for a world championship while going to school, absolutely insane. But yeah, you can go find the older interviews I did with Tessa earlier this year where I asked, like, fighting full-time, training full-time, are you okay? She said no. <laughs> that is a rise champion versus a rise champion. Another Japan versus Thailand fight will be Shiro versus Boonlong. That's going to be a banger. That's going to be a really good fight, actually. Another Japan versus Thailand, Kazuki Osaki versus Jerunasuk. Also this weekend is Karate Combat 43, and it has some really good fights on it that I like. Friend of mine, Ross Turbo Levine, will be looking to face Sam Alvey for the heavyweight title. Ross Levine is a really exciting fighter, been an extremely talented fighter for quite a while. Uh, really the face of Karate Combat, some incredible knockouts in his wake as well. And a guy who's a hard worker, he's a physiotherapist as well, and uh, someone I have a tremendous amount of respect for. So make sure to check out his fight against Sam Alvey. In the main event, you also have Anthony Pettis versus Benson Henderson. This will be the third time that they fought, and every time they fight, it's for a bigger and bigger prize. Uh, the first one was for a WEC title. The second time they fought for it was for a UFC title, and now the third time will be headlining Karate Combat. Uh, both guys have a background in Taekwondo, and uh, we interviewed Anthony Pettis, and he said he's going to be trying the Showtime kick off the Karate Combat pit uh, off the side there. So it's going to be a really exciting fight. You also have Raymond Daniels on the card and some other good stuff on it. So make sure to check that out. That's Karate Combat 43. There's quite a few other fights on the card, but those are kind of the main ones. Let's get to a little bit of the news happening in the kickboxing world. Peter Arts has founded a kickboxing organization, Legendary, looking to make kickboxing great again, was the tagline. Hey, look, great. I want more skilled fighters in kickboxing. I want more fighters getting paid for kickboxing, and hopefully he can make a difference. I know that he's been living in Japan for the last couple of years. Michael Travello will be hosting a K1-themed podcast called The Battlecast. Uh, it's great to see K1 taking English-speaking things a little bit more seriously, so hopefully they can come to some sort of agreement in 2024. K1 will also bring back K1 Max sometime in 2024. It's looking at like Q1. Uh, K1 will also begin doing drug testing as well. Liam Harrison is injured and will not be fighting John Lineker in a bantamweight Muay Thai bout. It does look like John Lineker will instead be fighting Felipe Lobo in a bantamweight Muay Thai bout. It again will be Muay Thai in four ounce gloves. One championship will begin to broadcast on Sky Sports in the UK. So hopefully they are going to find some success and find some new fans by broadcasting there. That's a that's big news. That's a good good channel. Pro good proper channel to be on. Also, people have been speculating that Rod Tang may have an injury just a few weeks away from his blockbuster fight against Takeru. He's been shown photographed in a cast, so we will see what happens to that fight in the next little while here. Okay, we're going to be back next week to cover off what we saw and what we enjoyed at the Rise World Series 2023 final round. Make sure to watch it. Make sure to check it out. It's going to be a good one. Next week, we got two cards from one championship, including Super Bond versus Tawanshai. Uh, that's also going to be the Joseph Lasiri versus Projanchai fight. It's a good one. Uh, Glory 90 is also going to be next week, so we'll talk about that next week. And I believe Ryzen 45 will have some kickboxing bouts, so we'll definitely talk about that one as well. Folks, I appreciate your time and patience more than anything. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you all soon. Leave any questions that you have for me there at the bottom. Folks, have a great week. We'll talk to you all soon.